It's the first episode of Ninja News Japan for 2024, and the beginning of 2024 has been rough, to say the least. The first day, Japan experienced an earthquake. There was a stabbing on the subway. The next day, I'll start again. This is the first episode of Ninja News Japan for 2024. Thank you for joining us. I All the other podcasts are saying like, oh, thank you for staying with us for another... It might be your first episode. So if you haven't stuck with us the whole time, screw you. <laughs> no. Uh, 2024 has been a very rough start for Japan as a country. The very first day, January 1st, there was an earthquake. Uh, there was a stabbing on the subway. The next day, there was a huge fire. There was a plane crash. A plane crashed into another plane as it was landing. And then worst of all, I got sick. So there might be a very strange energy today because, yes, I'm sick, but I'm also like really high on about 20 drugs. That's not particularly serious, not life-threatening. You don't care. You just can't, You came here for entertainment, and my health is... Maybe my health is your entertainment? I'm not sure. It's always a question of... I have two podcasts, C. McBee and Ninja News Japan. C. McBee is where I do whatever I want, and I talk about, you know, anything. Ninja News Japan is supposed to be about the Japanese news, but I'm like, these people got to be interested in me. Are they? Maybe not. So maybe I just stick to the format. And we get to the actual news of the day. I've already messed up my folders. That's the kind of smooth transitionary experience you can hope for at Ninja News Japan while I'm sick. That I won't be able to find the folder or the button I'm supposed to push. I have to say, no. No. I don't have to say anything. I think if I didn't do tangents, this would be a 10-minute podcast. Um, I want to start all over again. Let's do that. Let's start all over again. Twenty twenty-four. It's been a very dramatic start for Japan as a country. The very first day there was an earthquake. Uh, there was a stabbing on a subway. There was a big fire in a shopping district. These were all like one day apart. And then there was a plane crash. An airplane crashed into another plane as it was landing. And worst of all, I'm sick. I know, I know. That's the bit that probably upsets you the most. But what you might find on this episode is A, a very strange energy level. Because yes, I'm sick, but I'm also on a lot of drugs. I even mixed in a couple extra ones that I probably wasn't supposed to take in combinations with the ones I took in the first place. But at this point, when you get to a cocktail of like seven, eight, nine, ten pills, I can't see how throwing in one or two more is really going to cause a big problem. If I die at the end of this podcast, you'll know why, though. So, like, this is not a murder. This was me just going like, I'm going to blast my body with every drug I have available to me. So that I could put on the show, the very first episode in Ninja News Japan for 2024. I, you should feel good about that, right? Like, I care that much to get this episode out to you. I'm willing to sacrifice my own health 
This is like the third attempted start at making a podcast today. That's that's again the the, the mindset, the, the mental capacity, all gone. It's just it's just I got nothing upstairs. So I'm gonna read my notes. I'm gonna try to make commentary, but I'm betting the commentary is not the best part of the show today. And that's the kind of smooth transitional experience you can hope for, and more, going into 2024 with Ninja News Japan because couldn't couldn't find the right folder or button to click to get me here. But here we are, and it's a new year, so you know, talk about New Year's resolutions. I don't make any. I try to improve a little bit every day, and that sounds facetious, but I actually do. Uh, I subscribe to a couple of basic theories. I do like the 2% theory is what they call it. Like if you have a choice of doing nothing or something, like 2% of something, you should do the 2% because that's better than nothing. So if I'm like, oh, one of the problems with New Year's resolutions is people make these big ones like I'm going to go to the gym every single day and they go once or twice and then they quit. Whereas if your resolution was I'm going to do a push-up until I'm comfortable enough to do two push-ups, you probably could stick to it. And that's the 2% theory. Like if you have a choice of doing all, nothing, or one, you should do one. It's not as good as doing 100%, but it is better than doing nothing at all. And then you can improve 1% to 2% every day. Then overall, you will make progress. So I actually believe more in that. I don't like the idea of like, let's make a massive change all at once. I like to wean myself onto or off of things. There is a company that makes apps Bondavi. Uh, and they do a lot of lifestyle apps and it's like track your stuff. <laughs> track your health, track your fitness, track what you do in the hopes of making small changes, changes to your lifestyle to improve your life. But they have a unique insight into what resolutions get quit, what resolutions people quit the most quickly. And they were looking specifically at People who quit after three days. So we're going to go in reverse order. We have five. So this is the percentage of people who quit after three days, quit their resolution after three days. This is the percentage. This is the percentage of people who quit their resolution within three days. There you go. Again, the drugs are going to be making this an entertaining podcast, but for different reasons than normal. People want to quit drinking. It's not healthy. They're going to do it. 59.5% quit within the first three days, as in they took a drink within the first three days. I think quitting drinking over the holiday is a mistake. I think you drink until the end of the holiday, and then you have your resolution start at that point because you're going to have to do all these social events and stuff. So you might as well get through those, finish that off, and then, okay, now I'm going to start drinking. I made a resolution of sorts to only drink alcohol during major holidays. And it's been very easy to stick to because we have summer vacation, winter vacation in in May. There's Golden Week in Japan. So basically I buy a bottle of something, drink that over the course of the holiday, and then when it's gone, it's gone. And I don't, I think that's actually a really nice way to do it because I get to drink on occasion when it's convenient. And then the rest of the year when it's actually not that convenient to drink anyways, I just don't, it's nice. A lot of people want to get healthier. The next three, in my mind, could all be lumped together. 
people who say, I'm going to go running. And they probably go running every day for the first two days. And then their legs hurt and they don't go the third day and then they quit. 61.3% quit running after three days. I wouldn't make it through the first run. I've always hated running. So my resolution would be to never run. And that's why I practiced judo my whole life. So I never have to run. I can stand my ground. A dieting, fasting. I did intermittent fasting for a while and it was quite good. It's more of a mental thing. But again, I didn't just jump into that either. I, what I did was push my breakfast back until it became lunchtime. So let's say I eat breakfast at 8. I would switch it to 8.30, and then after a while, 9, and then after a while, 9.30. So my body got used to just eating later. So I was able to do it that way. And then I had lunch, and then I did dinner. So I had my two meals a day. But because I had gotten used to pushing it back, it wasn't a big deal. And that's what I'm saying. These people start dieting or fasting immediately. Again, during the holiday when everyone's like, oh, let's have a snack, let's have some chocolate, let's have some this, let's have some that. It didn't work out. 63% quit within three days. And then there's the people who say they're going to go to the gym, just like running. 65.9% give up on going to the gym by the third day. But the number one thing that people have the most trouble giving up, I guess, is smoking. Which makes sense. It's addictive. It's a chemical. It's a lot harder to kick a chemical than it is to start these other new habits. 71.3% fail to give up smoking within the first three days of the new year. And I, again, I think quitting is the mistake. You need to wean yourself, reduce how many. So if you, you smoke a pack of cigarettes, try to reduce that to 75% of a pack for the first while, then 50 then 25 And then maybe you get down to a cigarette a day and then try to do it a cigarette every couple of days. Weaning, I think, is what people should be doing, not quitting. Quitting cold turkey is something that doesn't work. The interesting flip side to this is what is the thing that people sort of stick to the most? So again, reverse order. Stretching, 42.6%. So people, 60% of people, if they start stretching regularly, keep stretching. I actually think that's great. Stretching is one of those things where you can just do it. You don't need equipment. You can do it at home. You can do it in the morning. You can do it at night. Stretching's great. You should stretch. I should stretch more often. Doing weights at home. So not going to the gym, doing weights at home, 41.8%. So again, about 60% of people, if they start doing weights at home, they continue to do weights. This is beyond the three-day mark. So that doesn't mean like two weeks later they don't quit. But forming a habit, if you can get through that first initial phase, you're more likely to keep going. If you can... I think it was 28 days. If you do something consistently for 28 days, so if it's once a week for 28 weeks or something like that, then it becomes a habit and you're more likely to just keep doing it forever. Painting, it's very nice, 39.5%. And number one, yoga, 38.5%. So most people who start doing yoga continue doing yoga, I assume for longer than three days. I would have bet for a couple of weeks. Yoga and stretching though, they could basically... I understand that yoga is a system, but in my head, it's, it's just stretching. So those should be clumped together, I think. High school marathons. So now we're talking about running again. I, I did try to find a sort of a tiny link between the, the stories, but after this, it gets pretty bad. Uh, high school marathons. Marathons in New Year's in Japan is a big deal. This, I think I've said in previous years when doing Ninja News Japan and heading towards the end of the year or just starting out the new year, how much I hate marathons on TV. They have like a New Year's marathon and they turn it on and they just leave that on in the background. I hate it so much. I hate running, first of all. But watching running doesn't make any sense. I'm not really a big fan of watching sports. 
The only good thing about the new year, really, is the compilations of the best sports moments of the year. So I don't want to watch football, American football or soccer or uh, basically any sports, even sports I like. I like judo. I don't really want to watch judo. I want to watch judo highlights. I would love to watch basketball highlights. I would like to watch cricket highlights, a sport I would never watch because the highlight is the best thing that happened that year. So compilation videos at the end of the year of all the coolest stuff that happened that year, some of the best videos out there. Running essentially marathon, you don't need to watch two hours. You can watch the last five minutes and you've got the most dramatic parts where the people are getting towards the finish line and pushing, you know, unlike other, yeah, whatever, <laughs> running stupid. So what happens though is I go to my relative's house, uh, they put on the running, then they ignore it completely and start talking to each other. So it's just noise in the background. But because my Japanese level isn't sort of super conversational, once they get into topics that it's difficult for me to talk about, I stop talking, which means I'm just sitting there watching the TV, a TV that's been changed to a channel where it's just the marathon. It's a nightmare. <laughs> now I basically just sit and listen to podcasts on my phone or read, which is good. And they've, they've accepted that I'm just in the room. I'm essentially just a statue. But high school marathons, very, very serious in Japan. Uh, they're going to restrict foreign students to participation to just the f shortest legs of the race. So they do uh, relay races, essentially, but relay marathons. And they're broken into different bits. So there's the three-kilometer bit, the five-kilometer bit, this 10-kilometer bit. Men had seven sections, 10 kilometers being the longest, and women had five sections with six kilometers being the longest. The foreign students are only going are going to be restricted to only the three kilometer bits. So no matter how so the reason is last year, 2023, they found that rankings change significantly depending on the foreign runner. So they're saying that the foreign runners are just basically faster than all the Japanese runners. And if you put them in the longest bit of the race, you're more likely to win the race. Because last year a Kenyan student reversed a one minute twenty second gap. So they went into that last, let's say, 10-kilometer section. The winning team was a minute ahead, and this Kenyan student managed to run so fast, they actually closed that one-minute gap. Now that, so at first I was like, oh, you're punishing foreign students for being, let's say, more physically capable and stuff. But being able to close a one-minute gap, to me, sounds like you're not a normal student. It sounds like you're a runner first and a student second, which would be stacking your team. So if they're doing that, I agree with this, that is unfair. So you might recruit your incredibly fast foreign runner, but they can only run the three-kilometer bit. I'm okay if that's what you're doing. If these are foreign students who just come to Japan and like running, then it's unfair. So it's very difficult to prove one way or the other. So at first I was like, ah, oh, this is racism. Then I was like, oh, I think they might be stacking their team to win because it's such a serious thing in Japan. So I'm not 100% sure what's right and what's wrong in this one. I would actually need to do a little bit of investigation. So I come from Canada. Canada wins the Olympic hockey most years, or if not, they're one of the most powerful teams. Uh, and then I heard about the, but you're supposed to be amateurs, which we all know is not true anymore. But the Canadian amateur hockey team is quite good. And then I heard about the Russian amateur hockey team. Surprisingly, all came from the military, and in, they didn't actually do any military training. They only did hockey training. So I was like, again, that's unfair. Those are essentially professional hockey players. Stacking your team is wrong. But 
also being racist is wrong. So it's hard to see which might be the actual truth in this situation. Since we're talking about schools and students, uh, we could talk about some bad teachers. There was a student in an English conversation class at junior high school. And, you know, this is speaking a second language. I, w- I would blame Japanese education for not being particularly good in English language. That's why I came to Japan and became an English teacher. A lot of people do that. I would say a lot of those teachers are not very good, and this is an example of what I'm talking about. I think if you take the job seriously, you can do a very good job and actually help a lot of people. Or you could just be, oh, this is an easy job. I've actually found that English teachers who look down on English teaching are never very good English teachers. And it's like this weird self... This is not an industry. This industry isn't good enough for me, which almost explains why I'm not good at this industry. Might be the what I'm trying to say. It's a very interesting little phenomenon. But if you're going to come to Japan just to goof around, don't be an English teacher, please. Because you make people like me, who actually I try to be a good English teacher, you make me look bad. Foreigners, I mean, there's a group of foreigners that make all the other foreigners look bad. Uh, But the last story today... There's Japanese people who make other people look bad anyways. Whatever. Let's get into it. Uh, The student was speaking and struggling, as students do, because they're trying to learn a new thing. I understand this feeling because I had to learn French, and I was terrible at French. I think my inability in French study makes me a better English teacher because I understand the frustration and difficulty students who don't get it are going through. The teacher decided the most appropriate thing to say would be, that's not English, that's garbage. Uh, also saying you speak like an elementary student and with your quiet voice, you sound like a girl. Now saying that to a junior high school boy, obviously that's intended to be insulting. The school tried to cover this up by saying it was an American joke. Now I, as a Western person, can tell you that is not an American joke. That is just them insulting a child. And honestly, I feel like they should be fired. They clearly should not be teaching English if they think it's appropriate to just like slam kids for not being good at something. The term American joke is used as this is a joke that you as a Japanese person may not understand because of the cultural context of what a joke is. Now, I have been watching a lot of foreign movies for C. McBee IMDb, which is a YouTube channel that I made where I watch so far primarily Kung Fu movies. And every now and then I will hit humor that I don't understand or I don't find it funny, I think primarily because now these movies are like 40, 50 years old, and so humor has come a long way, but also there is a cultural element where maybe I don't get why it's funny. And so when they use the term American joke, that's what they're trying to say. They're like, oh, yeah, you don't think this joke is funny. It seems like an insult, but he was making a joke. You just don't understand that in their culture, this is acceptable. And I can tell you as an unbiased outsider, no, it isn't. Three tax office employees, all in their 20s, all ladies, were suspended for work because they were working at clubs and doing compensated dating. Now, I read a second story. This is another reason to read multiple stories uh, on the same topic. The second one said they were working at soap clubs, which is very different from just working at a nightclub. Soap clubs are where the women will wash you Uh, Go on your favorite hub and watch, type that in as your thing. You'll find some videos pretty quick. I don't know if they're that. I've never been to one, but 
It's something like that. How about that? Two of them said the reason they were doing, so they were working at the tax office and working at the tax office means you're not allowed to, if you work for a government agency, you're not allowed to have a second job. So working at a soap club is going to break that rule. Compensated dating is difficult because is that a job? So I'm going on dates with men and the men are giving me money. Is that a job? Does that count? We're going to go ahead and say yes in this case. The tax office does not want that to have an association. They don't want to be associated with compensated dating. But two of them said they did this to pay for host clubs. I find it hard to believe that soap clubs are real. I, I find it hard. I... My feeling about soap clubs is that soap clubs are going to be dirty. This is sort of a can soap be dirty argument, but that room I'm sure is not properly sanitized after the activities that go on in that room. So I would refuse to touch any of the surfaces in that room. I'm not going to be a good, uh, good client for this. Cause I'd be like, have you sprayed this down with bleach? Because that's what I want before we move on. And even then, yeah, whatever. I just couldn't do it. It's another reason I could never participate in any sort of sex work because I would be too worried about diseases and cleanliness and stuff. Like I just, I just couldn't do it. Last week I did talk about how male prostitution is not illegal in Japan. And I made a couple jokes to many, many people about, I should start my stable of gigolos and create my new business of male prostitution. I assume that would mean I would have to participate at some point. I wouldn't be able to do it. I just wouldn't. I'd be like, no, this is dirty. I'm going to catch a disease and die. Anyways, these three ladies were relieved for one to three months suspension. So a different one for depending on the seriousness of their crimes. Uh, but all three voluntary volu- but all three voluntarily quit. Which leads me to my last question, though. They did this to pay for host clubs, which we've talked about a bunch because there's been crackdown on host clubs and Sugar Baby Riri Chan from last year. She was the big story that blew it open, that she made millions of dollars and spent it all on host clubs. Are host clubs that good? I need a listener who has been to a host club to share with me what is so good about host clubs. Because... I know I'm from a different culture, a different time. I'm an old man. I look at the boys in the host clubs and they got all the dyed hair, but they all look like cheese balls. Like none of those guys, I don't see what the appeal is. And I understand there is a segment. I think a lot of young people now, they go for a more feminine type man. But these guys don't even have that. I understand the attraction. It's not maybe my type, but I do the understand the attraction of a feminine yet strong man because they're holding sort of a yin-yang of traits in, in a nice balance is very attractive. I get it. It's sort of the elf thing. Like these tall, slender, yet still very fit men, very attractive. Not my type. I want a burly, burly man to outburl me. So it has to be their social skills. But I can't imagine that these guys are really putting on such a good show that it's that appealing. So I need someone who has gone to a host club to come back and give me just sort of the, the dirt. What is it they do? Do they actually convince you that they love you? Do they actually give you that feeling in such a real way that you would end up going to sex work to pay to get more? Because that to me is sort of a drug. Drugs make more sense to me than host clubs because a drug has a chemical addiction element. I need more of the drugs. 
I'm saying that right now as someone who's literally, while I'm trying to talk about a topic, thinking, if I go downstairs right now, I could take some more drugs, and that would actually be really nice. So I get, I get drugs. I'm not saying you should do drugs. I don't think drugs are okay. But I understand people who get addicted to drugs. I can't, I still struggle to be, to understand how you can get so addicted to host clubs. Because what is it, I understand it's manipulative. They're trying to make you think that you, they, you love them and they love you. It's reciprocal and it's not. But consciously, don't you know? Yeah, I don't see this. Is it. I'll just go in a circle now because I don't understand it. So, what I need is someone who's gone to a host club to tell me about their experience, to tell me if it was how positive it was. What did they do that could be addictive to the point where you actually want to go and get a second job to support your addiction to host clubs? 53 year old company executive. I think we should get, forget actually, the number of obstruction of businesses has dropped since I started actually keeping track. And I think now I should keep track of 50-year-old men doing shitty things. Because as soon as I saw a 53-year-old company executive, I was like, this guy did something beyond the pale. He just did something wrong. He just went too far. He's grown up. He's a company executive. He thinks everything he does is okay. This is without reading the story. He's crossed a bunch of lines. The story. He punched a woman who worked for him in the face because she didn't get the hairstyle that he wanted. So I'm assuming, I don't know about this part, that she was talking about cutting her hair or he told her to cut her hair. But at some point, your hairstyle currently came up. She was like, I'm going to get a haircut. And he says, I want you to get this style of haircut. She went out, got a haircut that was not the style he said. When she came back into the office, he decks her in the face. Then he says, get scissors and cut it now. And he makes her cut her hair in the office with scissors. So, of course, it looks terrible because she's not a professional. She can't do the back. I cut my own hair. There's a reason I wear a hat. When the woman gets home, of course, her family's like, what happened to your head? She explains... Oh, my boss made me cut my hair. Then, cop probably comes out, and he punched me in the face. Family calls the police. Turns out this guy regularly commits acts of violence towards women. So I'm hoping, they didn't say the company, I really wanted them to say the company name so I could put the company name out there. But uh, hopefully, this ends his career, his company in total, so that we never have to hear about that guy again, because that's... Okay, last story, 2024, the introduction of the new gross people for 2024 are YouTubers. Uh, we've actually talked about this guy before, and they call him Rengoku, Rengoku Korowaki. Uh, he is what I would now call a YouTube troll. So we had Johnny Somali, who, oh, January 10th is when he actually gets his uh, trial is done. That's tomorrow. So I'm actually on the lookout for what happens tomorrow. And the next week, hopefully, we can talk about what punishment Johnny Somali got for trespassing and all the stuff he did. Then there was a bunch of other streamers, live streamers. Uh, they were breaking rules, breaking laws and stuff, getting in trouble, leaving the country. This guy's Japanese. So it's, not, it's a different set of rules for him because they can't just deport him. It's actually harder to arrest him and stuff for the stuff he's doing. We had the earthquake on January 1st, and he's like, here's an opportunity for me to be a bit of a dick. So 
He doesn't buy it himself. Now, this is a very big YouTuber, so he has lots of money. He doesn't do it himself. He goes and he crowdfunds the purchase of 300, 300 Tenga eggs. A Tenga egg, since you probably don't know what it is, I'm going to assume. It's a silicon, essentially ball. It comes a little egg thing. And you put it over the male member, and you pleasure yourself with that, and it feels good. That's the short version. I'm not going to get too into it. He takes these 300 eggs, and he goes to Ishikawa. Ishikawa, he, uh, he goes to Ishikawa, and he says, I want to distribute these Tenga eggs to people so they can relieve their stress because they've lost their houses, because they're living in like shelters and stuff. Uh, and he's just an asshole. Of course, people are like, there's sort of lines that you don't cross. You don't go to an earthquake hit area and don't help. That's actually kind of the thing I think is actually the problem. If he'd done a real thing, people might have been more forgiving. But people on the internet are like freaking out over this guy. Um, the government has actually said, don't come and help for clout. Because there was a couple of like ministers who went to the affected area and started handing out food and started doing stuff. And they're like, don't do that because you're doing that to increase your reputation, not to actually help out. So it's not against the law, but it's clearly very frowned upon. There are a couple of famous comedians, though, and they're famous for having gone to uh, earthquake-struck areas or disaster areas and distribute food and buy food and just try to help out people because they didn't bring a camera crew. And they tried to tell people, like, when, oh, are you that famous comedian? They're like, no, no, it's not me. I do look like him, but it's not me. And they were just trying to help out because they are successful and have money and can do that. This guy, on the other hand, he's like, oh, I'm not going to buy anything that could actually help anyone. I'm just going to buy a joke thing that people know is dirty and sexual. And I'm going to use that to try to get some internet fame. And actually, you know, it'd be interesting. They could put in, like, because, you know, they have, like, emergency, essentially, laws. If you come into an emergency-struck area and do this kind of stuff, they could make that illegal in that situation. And I could actually see Japan going that way. So we have a couple things to look forward to. Does this guy get in trouble? Probably not, because he hasn't actually crossed the line so far that he actually hurt anybody. It showed him renting a truck and going to the area and with a big box of eggs, but then my actual question, what are you going to do with 300 eggs? And I'm like, oh, I bet I know what that guy's going to do with 300 eggs because, yep. But probably more interesting than that is Johnny Somali, who actually is on trial. His, his verdict will come down tomorrow, so hopefully I'll have something more about that next week. And I hope you have a very, very good 2024. I hope 2024 starts out and continues and is much better for you than it has been for me because I am going to go get some more drugs. <laughs>